And so, in honor of Mother's Day, I thought it would be good for just a couple moments to ponder and appreciate things that moms say. So I polled a few of our Portview kids this past week to see, and the question was essentially, what is, it, what is something that your mom tells you a lot? And some of you are panicking right about now. Like, oh no, did he pull my kid and what did my kid say? Well, here are some of the things that your kids, our kids said. Do the dishes. Sounds pretty standard, right? Or how about clean your room? One that I found was interesting was, OMG, my coworker just said. So apparently that's what they hear in their household quite a bit. Um, Another one would be, no. And the one that I thought was super special, and it came up a few times, which I thought, way to go, moms, is, I love you. How precious that is when we can, above the, do the dishes, go clean your room, they can hear the message, I love you. And so I think that those are some neat things that some of our moms are saying around here. Now, there's also some universal things that moms might say. And so let's see how many of these you know. And of course, these are not ones that you ever would have said. Right? It's, it's those other moms or adults who would say this. How about, if you keep making that face, it'll freeze that way. We've never heard that one, right? If all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you? Here's a really good one. Because I said so, that's why. When you have kids, I hope they're just like you. Stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. I never, just in, I never heard that one ever. Sorry, Mom. Um, How about, what part of no don't you understand? And finally, the ever-popular, and I'm going to say especially if you have little kids, let's play the quiet game. (laughs) So those are probably some stereotypical phrases that are said um, that moms may make, and I'll even say adults will make in general. It's not just for moms. We may have heard these or heard about phrases like this many times, and on one end of the spectrum, we've heard it so often. Should I switch? We'll, we'll, we'll try for now. On one end, we've heard it so much that we're able to launch a counter-argument against what has just been said, right? Because you, you're like, all right, I now know how to come with that and say a response. When we hear, when you have kids, I hope they're just like you, some may respond and say, oh yeah? Which, just word of the wise, that's never a good conversation starter with your parent or fellow adult. Not even fellow adult, an adult. Don't go, oh yeah? Not going to work in your favor, kids. But you might say, oh yeah? Well, I'm not going to have any kids then. Okay, so yes, there's some logic there. 
perhaps, or to what part of no don't you understand, you might say, I'm not sure. Could you say it for me in Spanish, please? (laughs) Some of you might get that when you go to lunch. But on a less confrontational and perhaps equally less helpful part of the spectrum, we may get to a point in our lives where we begin to tune out the message because we have heard that saying so many times. As soon as the phrase starts being said, we kind of have the Charlie Brown teacher mode setting in, and all we hear is wah, 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 wah. Because we've heard it so many times, we just sort of like, yeah, I don't need to hear this again. I'll, I'll tune back in in, a, in about 30 seconds. Even in our Christian circles and our services, I feel like, though, we can have this issue. That we've heard verses and we've heard phrases so often that we begin to tune them out. As soon as someone begins to quote a verse or they start to uh, come up with one of those, I'll just say, Christian cliches, we may just say, okay, I'm going to tune this out. I'll come back in in a little bit. And our minds wander perhaps for a few minutes. Some of you may have already started the wandering today. Who knows? And I know that I shouldn't be saying that out loud, right? Like, oh, whenever you hear scripture, you should be tuned in. Yes, but the reality is that we don't always, right? Sometimes we just let, we kind of tune it out. And even though these are foundational and powerful truths for our lives, we may not be in a spot personally to receive it on that particular day, perhaps in that moment. We used to eat up those verses, but now they have perhaps lost their luster for the moment. Or we find ourselves asking, what does that really mean? And sometimes that's just part of the apply that to my life. How does this affect me? We get those moments, and sometimes that's just part of the growth process. Like, what does that mean? Like, I've heard it for so long, and now I really want to understand it. But sometimes we need to move past that. So today I want to explore one of those verses that I feel is often quoted. And you may have even heard it over and over. So if you would take your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. You can pull it up on your device, or if you're like me, you've got your hard copy version. Flip toward the end of the New Testament. If you forgot or you don't have a Bible, uh, you can use one of the Bibles in the chairs that are right in front of you. Uh, they are available for use. And if you don't have one at home and you're like, hey, I'd love to have a Bible, it is our gift to you. We'd love for you to to take a Bible with you. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And again, this is a popular verse and one that provides a strong foundation for our life in Christ. So let's read Hebrews 11, 1. It says, Now faith is is the assurance of things hoped for, the uh, the conviction of things not seen. So that's in the English Standard Version. Some of you, like me, grew up hearing the King James Version, because that was the only version. Um, And so you may may remember this verse saying, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So today I want to talk about faith, and I realize that it is a topic which represents a vital aspect for our lives as believers, and I also realize that this is multifaceted, it has many layers, and there is a lot that can be unpacked when we talk about faith, 
And because it is so big and so huge, we don't have enough time to go through everything. But there are a few things that I want to cover this morning because I think it helps us in our walk. And faith is an area that we can continue to grow in and mature. We have faith, and when we start to follow Christ, we we come to faith. And our faith may be really exciting and and passionate, and we, we come there. But then there are times when we kind of, like, it wanes a little bit. And it's not very strong or solid. But we still have faith, and it's something that we can still grow in and mature. We may feel strong one moment where we feel close to God and know that he's going to do this. He's going to accomplish spectacular miracles. There's other times that we waver. Maybe we doubt and fear, and we wonder and worry about what might happen. I know for myself that I continue to grow and develop in my faith. My life is oriented based on the faith that I have in Christ, but there are still times when I wonder. I just, I, I don't understand how this works. I don't understand why this happens and this doesn't. And, and I just, I, I'm growing. I'm trying to operate in and by faith, but I may not feel like anything is happening. I still believe, I still have faith, but there are times when I need that little bit of help. It's kind of like the dad in Mark chapter 9 who says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Sometimes I, I have that belief, but I have that unbelief. Like, I don't know. I, don't, I, I just don't understand. How is it going to work and play out? So in this verse, the, rem, the writer reminds us about what faith is. We see that faith is the assurance or the substance of things that are hoped for the conviction or evidence of things not seen. And we're reminded that faith is needed when it comes to things in general, but more importantly, to our own soul. Importantly, to God, whom we cannot see and we cannot touch. So let's think about some of those things in everyday life, which we are convinced exist, even though we can't see them. Like the wind, for example. We can't directly see the wind, but we are convinced that it exists, right? We we see its effects. We feel the impact of the wind around us. We see trees moving. Maybe if you're like me, you have branches down all over your yard because the wind has come through and blown it. Maybe you have hair that's blowing all around because you're... We have, right? Well, at least some of us do. Um... Those are things that we can have, right? We can see the effects, but we can't really see wind itself. How about gravity? Anyone seen gravity? Probably not, but we see the impact of gravity. We see that we are grounded to the ground. You know, we're, we're, we're staying down uh, instead of floating away. You know, we, we know that our kids, even though they seem to run around, they're not going to float away unless you have the gale force winds. Um, they're, they're, they're grounded and we're staying on the ground because of gravity. How about Wi-Fi? Anyone seen Wi-Fi? We just believe by faith that it works. We see the little mark on our phones and we're like, all right, I'm connected. I can get to my emails or social media or whatever else it might be. We, and we're like, 
for 90% of us, we're like, I don't even know how it works, but I just know it's there, and I know that I like it. Um, we get so excited when we can connect and we can get access to all the things that we want to, our emails again, um, our reels, our TikToks, whatever it might be. And if you don't know what that is, ask someone who's a few years younger and they'll tell you. Um, but in a similar way, we have faith regarding God. We cannot see him. We cannot touch him. But we can be convinced that he exists, right? You and I can feel his presence, his power, and his love. We can sense the things that are going on around us because the Lord is here and he is near us. We can witness his impact in the world around us. We can hear the testimony of people's lives which are changed because God has intervened and done a miraculous work. We can see the change that is happening in people's lives because Christ lives within them. We can observe creation around us and see the marvelous work of God, our creator. I mean, we just can look outside on a beautiful sunny day and we can just take in, like, the grass is green. There are buds on some of the trees. Um, flowers are starting to bloom, depending on where you're at. You know, we're able to see the beautiful creation that God has made. And, you know, not even just in nature, but if we think about our own bodies and, and the beautiful, intricate development that he has put forth in our bodies, our eyes, and how intricately formed and complex they are. All of these things God has created, and although we cannot see him or touch him, we can, by faith, know that he is real. So when we speak of faith, we need to be very clear, though, that our God or our faith is based in God alone. We place our trust in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We don't have faith in faith. We don't have faith in our own good deeds. We don't have faith in, in Pastor Mitch um, because our faith is based in God alone. He alone is able to do anything and everything, knowing that he is all-powerful. If you look at verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11, we find that the writer explains faith just a little bit more. In that verse, he says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. When it comes to faith, we must believe that God exists and that he is good. That he rewards and meets those who seek him. That he is there and he is ever-present for us to just reach out and, and, and seek at any moment in time. And through faith, we choose then to trust him and to trust his promises. Again, we haven't seen God with our own eyes, but we trust him based on the impact we have witnessed, that we have seen all around us. We've not seen all his promises perhaps come to pass, but we continue to hope in him because we know that he has fulfilled other promises and that he has exhibited his miraculous power in the past. And because of his actions in the past, we now have a substance and evidence to base our faith upon. Our faith in God is not blind or foolish. Rather, faith becomes an ongoing willingness to trust in, to rely on. We know that he is into God, our loving Father. We take God at his word and we know that he is faithful and true. 
So, within this framework, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen, and that our faith is based in God alone, I want to spend some time exploring what that means for us practically. So, Hebrews 11.1 1 started off by saying that faith is the substance or assurance of things hoped for. Another way that we can say this might be that our faith is fueled by hope. Our faith is fueled and energized by hope. When we continue to have hope, our faith continues to grow. Like, what if God could do something? It's not a when-you-wish-upon-a-star kind of hope. It's a confident expectation that something may happen, that God might do something in this situation, and that ignites our faith. But it's a hope that is founded upon the truth of the gospel, and this hope provides fuel to our faith. So I want us to take a look at a story to try to explain this a little bit. It's from Mark's gospel. So if you want to turn, you can turn to Mark chapter 5, verse 24, is where we're going to start. But because it's a family service this morning, I'm going to need a little help. So if there are any kids in kindergarten through fifth grade, I would love if you could come up here and help me with this story for a few minutes. All right, so anyone who is kind of that elementary school age, I'd love for you to come up and join me on the platform. And we're going to try to tell this story together. So come on up, okay? This is awesome. It's also very dangerous, but it's awesome. So, all right. So, Sterling, can I have you be Jesus? Would you be okay with that? You're not going to get crucified, okay? So, I'm going to have you just kind of come up here, all right? And, Percy, can I have you be the woman? Okay, so I'm going to have you kind of come over here for right now, all right? Now... Sterling, why don't you actually come over here, and you guys are all going to be the disciples, okay? So you can pick whatever type of disciple name you want, and you're going to just follow Jesus around for a few minutes, okay? So, Sterling, you're just going to kind of walk around the carpet for right now, and they're going to all follow you. Can you do that? All right, cool. So, you just keep circling around for a few minutes, So Mark chapter 5 says, And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. So you guys are staying really close to Jesus, okay? You don't want to miss him. You don't want him to get out of your sight. Yeah. It might get a little awkward up in here, but it's, it's okay. Jesus did it, so can we. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood. So you guys keep walking around, okay? For 12 years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. Now she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd. Okay, so we're going to come up behind the crowd. So, crowd, kind of come around behind. Sterling, why don't you face everyone? They want to see your good face. Okay, so you guys kind of come around here. Okay, gather around, and Percy, you're going to be the woman. And she heard all these things, and she came up behind him in the crowd, and you just reach through, and you just grab his pant leg, okay? 
Just kind of tug on it. There you go. All right. That's awesome. Okay. So she touched his garment, for she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. Can you just say, if I touch his clothes, I'll be, I'll be well. If I touch his clothes, I'll be well. Awesome. And immediately, the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd. Okay? So, Sterling, I want you to just go, hmm. Hmm. All right. Something happened. Who touched me? Something happened. All right. Who touched me? Who touched me? All right. Who touched my garment? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? Okay. There you go. Yes. There was probably a lot of that. Like, everyone's around you. Hello. And his disciples, oh, and then he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him. All right, so Percy, now you're going to be like, oh, it's me. All right. And she told him the true, whole truth. And he said to her, daughter. Daughter. Your faith has made you well. Your faith made you well. Go in peace. Go in peace. And be healed of your disease. Right. All right. So that is our story. Can you give it up for our elementary kids? You guys can go back to your seats. They did a great job, don't you think? Yes. So as the story goes, We hear the story of a woman who has been suffering for a really long time. It says that she has been suffering with this discharge of blood for 12 years. Sometimes when I have an ache or a pain for 12 minutes, I've been suffering way too long. 12 hours is, ugh. I cannot imagine 12 years of what she's been going through. And she has tried everything that she has known all the the medical you know wonders that were available at that point she's tried them all and it says that even because of those things she suffered even more like those things not only didn't help her it made things worse she suffered even more and maybe that was just a short stint of suffering excuse me but she suffered and she just continued to deal with this over and over and over She's probably pretty pessimistic about being healthy ever again. You get to that point where you're like, I guess this is just how it is. I guess this is just my life, and I'm going to just have to figure things out. I would imagine she has pretty much lost all hope. She is, as you would say, hopeless. But one day she hears that Jesus, the one who has been healing many people, has come to town. And she says to herself, 
and I'm going to paraphrase slightly. She says, what if? What if I just touch his garments? What if I can just kind of do a sneak attack, grab his, you know, his cloak, and I'll be made well? What if? And in a sense, what have I got to lose? I've tried everything else, but what if Jesus, who I'm hearing says he's the son of God, who I'm hearing has healed all kinds of other people, what if he would do the same for me? She may have previously lost hope, but she hears that Jesus is nearby, and she has a small spark of hope again. And so she goes to find him, and when she does, she reaches out her hand with every ounce of hope that she could, and she asks, what if? What if this will bring healing finally? What if Jesus just might heal me in this way? And as the story goes, she is immediately healed. And there's, you know, the commotion like, who touched me? And Jesus, what are you talking about? But at the very end, Jesus turns to the woman. And in the little faith that she had, in the little hope that she had, he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. She was made well because of her faith, which was fueled by her hope that Jesus would heal her. She had tried everything else to be delivered from her condition, but then she turned her attention to Jesus. She decided to try Jesus healing other people and rely on his healing power. She had heard the reports about Jesus healing other people of their diseases, and she said, what if he could do the same for me? And she was healed instantly. And I have to say, just as a quick aside, you know, we can read verses like this, you know, daughter, your faith has made you well. And sometimes we wonder, why has that not happened for me in my situation? I wish I had a great answer because you are still coming to him in faith and in hope and, and wanting him to do things, and it doesn't happen. I, I don't know. I wish I really did. But my encouragement to you is keep trusting in the Lord. Keep trusting in him. He has a sovereign plan that he is working out, and I will be one of the first in line to say, I don't understand most of the time what is going on, but I do know that he is faithful and that he is sovereign and he is true to his word. And as we sang earlier, he is for you. I just don't know why that's not happening yet. So we know as believers that our faith is based in God alone and that our faith is fueled by hope. So now we come, I feel like, to the part that is really for us. And that is that our faith causes us to live differently. Our faith causes us to live differently. Based on our belief in God and the hope that he has placed within us, we now live differently than we used to. Our faith causes us to reorder, to reorient, maybe to restructure our lives. Our faith drives our actions. It drives our behaviors and our lifestyles. Pastor and author Paul David Tripp explains it this way. Faith so completely takes God at his word that it is willing to do what he says and stay inside his boundaries. Faith is a response of your heart to God 
that completely alters the way you live your life. You don't just think by faith, you live by faith. We don't just have a thinking faith, something that's all up here and we're like, yes, I know that. I believe God is good. But our life doesn't really show that. Instead, we have a active faith, a living faith, one that propels us to act and behave differently because we trust God and his promises. We are changed because of our faith in Christ. And we can look at the accounts of individuals in Scripture who have lived this out. Even in Hebrews chapter 11, we can see the way individuals restructured their lives based on God's presence in their lives and the promises that he gave them. His instructions and promises may not have made sense, as our minds can understand them, but by faith, these individuals chose to trust God and his promises. Here are a few quick examples just from Hebrews chapter 11. In verse 7, we see that Noah was warned by God about the flood that would destroy the earth. Now at this point, Noah had never seen or heard about a flood. Our understanding is that there had been nothing like this at all. And so God warns him about a flood and says, Noah, I want you to build an ark. And Noah is like, okay, God, what's a flood? You, you know, like, and secondly, what's an ark? What, you're wanting me to build what? But because he trusted in God, because he responded to God's speaking, and he f- obeyed, he built the ark. He asked, what if God might just be sparing me from this flood disaster, whatever that might be? He reoriented his life to follow God's instructions. He built the ark, and he saved himself and his family. If you look at verse 8, God spoke to Abraham about leaving his homeland and going to a new land that God would give him as an inheritance. Abraham did not have a stinking clue where he was headed. He just knew God has asked me to move. And he says that there is a promised land. There is a huge blessing that is going to come. And so I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. He is. I'm going to all that my forefathers have told me about who God is and how good he is. I'm going to trust him. He asked, what if God truly wants to bring me to a land of promise, a better land? What if he wants that for me? So because he trusted God and trusted in his promise, he chose to restructure his life. And he moved not just across the country, he moved across countries into a new land that God was giving to him. And because he did this, because he followed God's direction to the new land, he began to see the promise of God taking shape in his life, in his son's life, in his grandson's life, because God was beginning to bring that promise to fruition. In verse 29, God told the Israelites, who had just been delivered from over 400 years of slavery, to cross the Red Sea to escape the pursuing Egyptian army. Again, they did not know what was about to happen. They just saw a big body of water in front of them, And they saw a whole slew of soldiers coming behind them. And they were thinking, what in the world is going to happen? Is there going to be an Israelite sandwich right here? 
But instead, even though they did not understand what was going to happen, they asked, what if God just might make a way of escape for us? He just helped us get out of Egypt. So what if he's going to do something like that again? Like, it had just been days before that they started the exodus out of Egypt, and now they're facing the Red Sea. And God says, go ahead, I'm opening a way across the Red Sea. And they chose to follow what God said, trusting that he would deliver them. And the waters parted. They crossed on dry land, it says. What was just minutes before a sea, a body of water, was completely dry land for them to walk across. They walked across, and then they saw that the waters came back together and swallowed up the entire Egyptian army. They were now completely free because they had obeyed God in faith. They were set free, never having to go back to that slavery. God had set them free. So for us, we have these examples of lives, and these are just a few. We can look to these men and women. Here in Hebrews chapter 11, there's a whole slew of them. But throughout Scripture, we can see men and women who can confirm the reliability of God. These witnesses who can speak to us today that God is faithful to his promises. He is faithful to every word that he has spoken. And even though we cannot see God, we cannot see the future We are enabled to take action and live with courage and peace, drawing on the experiences of the group of witnesses that have gone before us. So what if we began to ask, what if, for our own lives? For each of us today, I want us to ponder, what if we began to ask, what if? What if God wanted to do something? What if we remember that the Bible says in Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And we recall the stories from the Bible of what Jesus did back then and have our hopes sparked once again. What if we come to a situation and with faith we say, what if Jesus could do it again? Elisha, the prophet, after he had just spent his last days with, or the last days of Elijah as they were going forward, and he was about to assume that ministry role. He had witnessed Elijah come to the river. He took his mantle, and he threw it against the water. The Jordan River parted, and they were able to go on. And then Elijah, a few days later, was taken up into heaven. And Elijah came back after that time, and he said, he comes to the Jordan River, and he says, Maybe if God, the same God of Elijah, could do this again. And he took the mantle and he struck it against the water and the water parted and Elisha was able to cross back over the Jordan. If we can have that kind of a faith that says, what if the God who did this in the past would do it again? And we don't know the outcome. We don't know if it happened, but we, by faith, say, God, I know that you can I trust you. I trust your promises. I trust who you are, that you are faithful. God can do it again. So even though we may not know that outcome, we may not discern what the Lord's will is, we still trust God and trust his promises. When you 
I or a loved one are sick and are in need of healing, we can recall that the Lord does in fact heal. We can recall the stories of the woman who suffered for 12 years and was healed, or blind Bartimaeus who called out to Jesus and was healed. And with a spark of hope producing faith, we ask, what if God might just heal me too? Or heal my loved one? Or when you have an unexpected expense and are not sure how you will be able to pay it, you can recall that God provided a miraculous amount of oil for a widow so that she could then sell it to pay off her debts. Back in 2 Kings chapter 2 or 4. Or how in Matthew 17, Jesus told Peter to go catch a fish and find a coin and then go pay the taxes that were necessary. And you see that God can miraculously provide time after time after time again. And you ask, what if God would miraculously provide for me too? Not to win the lottery, per se, but to meet those needs that we really have. That God will provide for our needs according to his abundant riches. And maybe you're beginning to sense God speaking to you about something that you are to do different with your own life. And as the Holy Spirit guides you, you understanding that he is asking you to step out in faith, to do something different that he is calling you to. And you remember Abraham's story as he left his homeland. Or how Moses, as God called him, set aside his life, which he could have had in the Egyptian palace, to lead his people, the Israelites, out of slavery. And you ask, what if God is calling me to get involved in ministry? What if God is leading me to lead something or be more involved in something? What if God just might use me to minister to my coworker or my teacher or a relative and help them come to faith? Maybe God's putting a burden on your heart for something. And at first you're like, no, that's never going to happen. But because of what God has done in the past, you can take hope and have faith that God might just be leading you in that direction. What if God does want to see that person know him and be delivered from their destructive, life-controlling habits and come to know him because you were the voice for him? And as a result of those hopes sparked, faith-induced what-ifs, we reorient our lives to center around him rather than ourselves. As Paul David Tripp said, we take God at his word and we trust him. We just say, all right, what if, God, you are wanting to move in this direction and I just need to be obedient as a result? What if? Maybe we're still a little uncertain, but we step out with a little spark and say, I believe, but Lord, I need a lot of help with my unbelief. We may not see or understand the future and how it will play out, but we trust in God and in his promises, knowing that he has been and still is faithful and true. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. My hope today is that we can have our faith grow more and more each day. That we can take this common verse and continually take it to heart in our lives as believers. That we will remember that our faith is based in God alone. That our faith is fueled by hope. 
the confident expectation we have in God. And from a practical perspective, that our faith will cause us to live differently. That we don't rely on ourselves or the things that we used to, but we find ourselves relying more and more in God, our loving Father, as we grow and mature in that faith that is within us. And we reorient our lives to center around God and his promises instead of ourselves. To just bow our heads back uh, to the platform, I'd like us to just bow our heads and close our eyes. And I'm going to ask you if you would just take your hands and lay them kind of palms up in front of you. There are some of you here today who maybe have lost hope or you have things that are, are pressing on your hearts and your minds that you are continuing to just believe by faith that God is going to do. And today I just want us to take a few moments to pray about those things together. So as your hands are palms up in front of you, I just want you to speak to the Lord and say, Lord, this is the situation that I am in or that my loved one is in or that we're facing. And then the next few moments, I just want you to just verbalize that to the Lord and just allow that to become a spoken request to the Lord. And now that you have verbalized that request to the Lord, I want you to lift your hands just kind of chest high and, and just now invite the Lord to come into that. I'm going to pray some words, but you pray in your own words as well. And so, Lord, you know each of these situations that have been spoken this morning in this place. Whether it's here in the sanctuary or for those who are watching online, you know those situations. You see all of the intimate details. You see the, the pain that is happening, the, the suffering, the, the needs that are, are being mentioned. And we, in this moment, just invite you to come into each one of these situations. Lord, we ask that you would be, in these situations, the God who heals. That you would be the God who delivers. That you would be the God who restores. That you would be the God who provides. That you would be the God who gives peace and encouragement that you would be the God who raises things up. That you would be the God who gives strength. And we ask that you would intervene in each of these situations. Lord, we know from your scripture that you can and will do great and mighty things. And so because of your word, we call on you and we trust you. We trust in your word and in your promises and in the truth that is all about you. And we invite you into this situation now.
And as a final step, I, I want you to just raise your hands kind of above your head even just as a sign of release. And in this moment, Lord, we just come before you and we ask that you would take this take this request, take this burden, take this need. We release it into your hands for we know that you are sovereign, that you are the God who is above all things and yet you are concerned with every last one of the things that are on our hearts. And so we ask in this moment that you would do what only you can do and we release it into your more than capable hands. We, and we just know that you are faithful and true. Help us to continue to release these things to you and trust you with them, whether it's you see that you will do some amazing things. Whether it's now, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's in a few years, Lord, we release this into your hands and we will keep releasing it into your hands because you are good, you are loving, you are gracious and merciful. And so we just come to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to take a few moments to just sing um, a song of worship. And so we invite you to just uh, join with us. You can stand or you can remain seated, uh, whatever is for you. <laughs>